Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ tissue and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele, and back in the hot seat, Kirsten Heights. Ah, we appreciate you sitting in for Joe. And I'm Nyla Schwab. Today on the Gifted Life Podcast, lots to get to. Yes, we will be talking to a donor mom who used her grief journey to help others and created the rescue group. Yeah, you'll meet her on this podcast. And I'll be talking about trying to find balance in this world today. So it's just a daily challenge that we're all um, should be aware of. I could use the help. Yes. All that and more right here on The Gifted Life. Hang on. All right, guys, here on the Gifted Life podcast, going to introduce you to our friend, Susanna, more than a friend, because uh, she makes <laughs> life happen each and every day with us. Uh, she's a LOPA's community educator and our public relations specialist, and she services the Acadiana area. And so she's here to kind of talk about one of her friends, one of our friends from the Acadiana area that's doing great things. She is. And, you know, I um, I was very new with LOPA um, when I met this incredible woman. Again, I think I had been with Lopa a year and very fresh still, um, had not worked with a whole lot of donor families and um, somehow got a phone call from this mom who was ready to share her story and, and make a difference. And so with that, I want to introduce Reese Gilmore. Hi, Reese. Hi. I'm not. I don't want to say too much because you speak so well in in telling your story. So why don't you tell us how you got started and and you know I hate to say it, but becoming part of the Lopa family. Well, um, you know, I guess it's it's hard to say. You know, it's it's a family that you don't want to ever feel like you have to be a part of. Right. But if you find yourself in the midst of it all. Um, ultimately you so glad you are so glad that you are. Um, so June seventh, two thousand and eight, my perfectly healthy, beautiful little boy, Clinton Ryan, who was two years old, um, wandered out of our house and drowned in the front pond. And it was it it was the you know, of course, the unimaginable, the darkest time in my life. And I was left um, in the throes of tragedy, just trying to, you know, make sense of what had just happened. Um, Later that evening, um, he was pronounced deceased at the hospital. So EMTs worked on him at the, you know, at our home, at the pro- on the property, and then he was transported to the hospital, which is where he was pronounced um, deceased. You know, and I remember walking out of that hospital and thinking, now what? I did not know what to do. I didn't know to turn left, to turn right. I just, I had no idea what to do next. Um when I got home, it was not long after, um, I remember I received a phone call and 
the phone call that came in was this soft, sensitive, reverent voice on the other end of the phone. And she, you know, asked if we would be interested in donating. And at the time, I couldn't even wrap my head around what she was asking. I immediately said, you know, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that he is gone. I mean, his diaper bag is packed, his sippy cups on the floor. Like, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. He's just not taking a nap and he's about to wake up. I don't, I don't even know what you're asking. I quickly said, I'm going to need, I need to pause. I'm going to have to call you back. And, and I did, I hung up the phone and there were, there were very few words spoken. Um, at the time I, you know, I asked my husband, I said, they are wanting us to, to donate. And, you know, he made mention, he said, well, if we're donors, wouldn't that mean that our children would be, and not another word was spoken, not another word was said. I just picked up the phone and I called back and I said, yes. And, um, I had no idea in that moment, the power of that. Yes what that meant. And, um, that yes changed the entire trajectory of my grief journey. So the first year I sat still, I sat still in the grief. I sat, sat still in the loneliness of, um, of loss, just trying to navigate life again and try to figure out, you know, how, to parent two children earthside while I had one child in heaven. It was a very difficult process, um, but I made a promise to my family. During that time, I think that they were worried about me and concerned and, you know, didn't know how to help me. Um, the hard thing for parents, you know, I'm my parents' baby, you know, and they looked at me and had double grief. They grieved for the loss of me and the loss of their grandchild. But for the first time, their arms were not good enough. There was no wiping my tears away and fixing this massive boo-boo, right? And so I, you know, I told them, I said, I need y'all to back off. I need you to let me do this my way. But I promise you within a year, I'm going to figure out what to do and Clint did not die a death in vain. There is a purpose here. I just need to sit in the silence and figure that out. And I did just that. At the 11th month mark, I remember I, it had, it dawned on me. I mean, I realized I was like, man, you know, the power of that yes was big. By that time, I think I'd even received communication back from Lopa. And I, I know that I knew then that he had given the gift of sight. And, um, a year later I felt like there was hope, but I also knew that there was such a time sensitive factor with receiving that phone call. I thought, man, why do people not know about this? I have never considered whether or not my children would be donors because who wants to live on the side of what if regarding our children, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was like, well, we have hard conversations as parents. I mean, we talk about what type of car seat 
to purchase because not because we think that we're going to get in a fatal car crash, but it just makes us a good parent. We research the best car seats. We teach our children to dial 911. Um, you know, there's all these things that we do as a parent that ultimately educate us and make us better parents. And I thought, why in the world are parents not having this conversation? Why are they not talking about whether or not their children would be donors? I'm not the first one to lose a child. I won't be the last. And I had never thought about that. The first time I had even been confronted about being a donor was at the DMV. And I was 16 getting my driver's license. Other than that, nobody had ever talked to me about that as a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, man, I wish that more parents understood because I almost missed that opportunity. If I hadn't have paused, which is what I told um, Elaine, you know, I said, I, I have to pause. I need to think about this for a minute. And it was a split second. And, and then thankfully I called back and said, yes, because that entire process for my grief journey changed. So a year later I contacted local and I said, I want to get involved. I, I want to help spread this message and talk to parents and just urge parents to have the conversation. And so my very first point of contact that I made was um, Susanna. She was the one that called me back and that was that phone call would ultimately lead to um, some of my most beautiful, what I call later date explanations. And I'm so thankful for the friendship and for my connection and my local family. Oh, and I'll never forget that day. You know, I mean, we're, again, like you said, it's not a family that anybody wants to become a part of, but it is our privilege to be able to honor Clint and to to walk alongside you in this journey and, and you know, share his, share his story. Uh, well, I am very much grateful. And it did. It, it led, you know, the, the whole entire path led to um, you know, Clint's purpose. And so I'm forever thankful. So why don't you tell us a little bit, um, you know, I know we have had, I I mean, like you said, some of my favorite moments have been, you know, you and I together, um, going into our community, sharing your story. Um, I mean, and that's been in so many different places, high schools, hospitals, um, civic organizations, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but why don't you share with our listeners just kind of where you are today and sort of the path that, um, Clint and, and, I'm going to say the Lord, because I know that you have a strong faith and that's a big part of your story, but just kind of share, you know, the path now that, that you are on. So, you know, I always say that the first platform of support that I ever received was, you know, through my Lopa family. You gave me a place um, to find where, where you allowed me to have a place for my love to go. I was able to share Clint. I was able to stand on this strong platform of honor and remembrance. And that meant so much to me that I knew that every family out there needs that. And I've, I've said it a thousand times, you know, find your LOPA. For me, it was LOPA, 
But every bereaved parent should be able to find their ROPA in something, find a platform of hope, a platform of healing, a platform of, of honor. And so as I began to get involved with uh, bereaved parents, with, mm-hmm. you know, support groups and just different and, and donor families and even recipient families, you know, I realized that this army of support is so needed for those of us that, that have lost loved ones and, and especially children, you know. And so as I embarked on this, on this, you know, journey and got involved with so many different bereaved parents, I just saw that there was, there was a gap. Not everybody has a LOPA. And so my thoughts were, how can we, how can we create a LOPA for all families that lose children? So um, through years of research and lots of prayer and um, investigating and interviewing so many different <laughs> grieving families, and I know I'm telling you, it was such a process of, of love. And, and, you know, there's something to be said about God's timing and not mine, because every roadblock that I faced along the way, I look and I'm like, there was a reason. There was a reason. There was a plan, and it was not going to be my plan. It was only going to be his plan and only going to be in his time. And so in 2021, right after the pandemic, um, I had spent several years working for a wonderful nonprofit that um, assisted families of infant loss which was a fantastic opportunity. I loved it. Again, it gave me, it gave me a reason to support families and to help these families of of miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss. But I still knew that there was this sector of individuals that were not being served, and that was older losses. It was losses over the age of one here in Acadiana. So in 2021, I approached my husband and I said, I want to open a nonprofit that will serve families from age one up to 18. And I'm married to an engineer who is methodical (laughs) and analytical, and he asks a thousand questions for your one. (laughs) I mean, he, he is going to be that person that is going to question everything. And for whatever reason, that evening when I came home, I'd had dinner with a friend who basically looked at me and said, Reese, you need to stamp a name on what you're already doing for this community. Because I was that person that so many people would call when there was uh, a loss of a child. You know, I was supplying support to many families, um, but not doing it under a nonprofit, you know, just having worked for a nonprofit that served families of um, as infant loss, I was just still that, that go-to person, you know? Right. And so he looked right at me and he said three words. He said, let's do it. <laughs> wow. I like a man with few words. That's great. <laughs> and if you knew my husband, you would know that, you know, in that moment, it was clearly a God moment mm. because that is not his personality. And, uh, And so that's what we did. And look, timing was not right. We were coming out of a pandemic. We were, at the time, my father had cancer. Um, 
there were all these things. My husband was close to retiring. Like there were so many things that were just, I fully expected him to say, no, timing's not right. Reese, good job. My faithful, you know, like <laughs> the work, knows the work that you've done. Good job, my faithful servant. But you are tired and you don't have to save the world. Like, no, you're done. <laughs> um, but that's how, you know, I really honestly thought that that's what he was going to say. You know, you've worked in the brief community for a decade. Like it's time now you know, we're at a different stage in life, but he didn't. And so when he said, yes, we went full throttle ahead and we opened the rescue group and the rescue group is a nonprofit here in Acadiana that serves 10 parishes. And we assist families um, of loss from age one up to 18. If the child's still in high school, we provide financial aid for end of life expenses. So we help take care of, you know, funeral funeral bills and cremation and medical bills. Um, and then we provide ongoing free grief counseling for caretakers and for family members. And then we also have a child life program that assists in the moment of tragedy for the siblings. Um, they are often the forgotten grievers and um, we step in and guide this family from the moment of tragedy on a process and a plan and literally help them on what to do next. And that was my whole thing. When I walked out of that hospital, I had never buried a grandparent. So I did not know what to do next. And so that was, that was the whole mission behind the rescue group was to basically offer these families an emotional compass so they can navigate life after loss. Well, it sounds like you found that gap that you were missing in your own grief journey yeah. and have just taken that into your community. And what a broad span that y'all cover. And we yes. have such a hurting, hurting communities everywhere and resources are really limited. So to know that there's this organization that is, like you said, a platform to bring your grief, to share your love, to share your loss and to be supported. By other people, other exactly. professionals, other families. We need more of you. We need more of rescue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. Well, and that's, you know, that was, that was the hope. We've become a family within a family. Um, in many ways, you know, for these families, this is their Lopa. You know, they, um, they have a soft place to rest their heart, their broken heart. And, um, and we have a mentorship program where we pair families of similar losses with each other because the me too factor is so important when you're able to sit across from another mom who has suffered the loss of a child to cancer and to be able to, you know, share that journey with another mom that suffered child loss to cancer because Child loss is child loss, but every loss is a whole, unique, separate grief journey. And so we're able to pair these families to where they have that me too moment where they don't feel alone. They don't have to feel isolated. Ultimately, they feel rescued. And so that's, that's how the name came about. You know, we wanted to rescue families in their darkest moments. And we love it. I'm looking at your site now. So rescue is spelled a little differently. Um, and I love the the thinking that went behind it. But it's R-E-S-C-U-Y-O-U group. 
outreaching, encouraging, supporting, and caring for you. So if you're wanting to find out more, you've been listening to to Reese. It's the rescuegroup.org. So that's the R-E-S-C-Y-O-U group. Dot org. Let us hand you an emotional compass so you can navigate life after loss. I think it's beautiful. You're obviously a beautiful storyteller. Uh, you were talking about when you first met Susanna. I started a little later in, in um, 2010 here at LOPA. And I've, I've been to the um, events that they would have out in the public and just thought, man, this is so great. But I think Susanna brought us together in a little office in Lafayette and you were telling the story about Clint and talking about his legacy, and you did such a beautiful job. I just rem- like I I still remember you were having a hard day. The emotions that day, I, I was so teary eyed, like I couldn't hardly breathe. Like it was so hot in that room, I had to step out, but I could feel <laughs> I could feel your love for for your boy, and I could I could feel where you were. It's like I was walking with you, um, and so I carried that on with me. Um, through my work at, at Lopa, like you know, I went to these events out in the public, and it was fun, and we're painting rocks, and we're on fun jumps, and we're doing all these things to celebrate life. But then you gave me a whole new perspective on how important this work is. So the legacy of, of Clint from from 2008 um, continues, and so Susanna brought us together with that, and uh, we just love the work that you're doing, that you're moving forward. I see you guys on social media. Uh, I see the partners that you're making in the community and and the work that you're doing. So talk about um, some of the things that, that you're proud of from where you are now. I know 2021 is when you guys kind of kicked it off, and then where you hope to be. Like, what what are we doing and where are we going? We have been so fortunate and so blessed to have the community's support and love uh, behind our every step. Um, We kicked off um, with our very first event this past summer, the hottest day of the year. (laughs) I'm going to second that. It was by far the hottest day of the year. (laughs) And it was for how many hours, Reese? It was like. Lots oh, of hours was, of the day, the, like 12 hours at least. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it okay. was. Uh, you know, and it, the crazy thing is it was the hottest day of the year. It was one of the most profound, yes, special was. moments in my life. Um, we had this all day uh, festival and it was a music fest. So we had a lineup of five different bands. We had family tents that basically came out and held a birthday party for all their kids that that no longer get a birthday. And when I tell you these tents were, it it was like trick or treat on steroids. Yeah, it was like a carnival. (laughs) I mean, they were set up with games and prizes for the kid, like kids that came. And yeah, it was incredible. It was a beautiful day for children and each tent represented that child's personality. So we had um, one tent that was TikToking with Kennedy. And because Kennedy was a beautiful little seven-year-old little girl who was a TikToker and she loved it. And so that tent reflected her. And then we had uh, Sawyer Superheroes. And and his tent was all about the superheroes for Sawyer. And so each one was different. We had uh, Mudden with George. And he he loved big trucks. And, and each one just, when you walked into their tent, like you knew these children. 
And to see these families be able to share their children with the community was so powerful. And, you know, the one thing as a bereaved parent we don't want to ever happen is for anybody to forget our kids. And this was that one day where nobody forgot those children and they were heard. Those children were more alive that day than you and I. And it was precious. And so we had that event and we were, even though it was the hottest day, we did amazing and we raised a bunch of money and (laughs) it really, really helped um, secure and anchor this foundation. And then now we are planning our inaugural gala um, that's to be held on March 31st at La Pavillon in Lafayette. And we have, you know, we're, we're today we are 25 tickets from being sold out. Wow. Wow. Um, you got my emotions like away. all I mean, over the place, Reese. Like I'm laughing with you, then I'm crying with you, then I'm partying with you. But, like what has happened? You know what's so cool <laughs> about that? And I started to mention it earlier, but you know, the, the thing you have to remember with Rescue Group um, is that, you know, they provide all of this financial support for these families. So this their gala and then rescue fest this is how they do that i mean this is their operating you know budget and they provide the free counseling services and free support groups and you know i mean so it's you know these two events truly reesey are you know very vital to your to your organization um a night under the stars i like it black tie we get to dress up and honor our heroes i like it um i I do want to say too reesey i think for anybody on the outside looking in who has known your vision for rescue group i mean i'll never forget you sitting down and when i tell y'all so diligent and had a full business plan and statistics <laughs> of why this is needed in our community believe and that it. kind of thing yep, I, I mean it. <laughs> it was she was ready and you know to see you stand in the middle of that huge park in lafayette and you know look at that huge banner with all the faces of those children you know it was almost like watching everything come to fruition you know I mean just I mean just so proud of you and the work that you've done and that you're doing and you continue to do and you know supporting our families and um and it was it's you know it was it was the neatest thing to see those families connections on that day too you know I mean they all love each other they're all a family just like our Lopa families you know I mean they're um your families are a family together and so um it's just it it was the rescue group was it took so you know it took years to form and put together um the idea to expand the age started probably four years prior to um justin and i uh to us you know founding the rescue group i mean there was a solid a solid four years that was spent just planning it out. And, and look, that original vision was not for it to be me who opened a nonprofit, right? I tried to give this program away multiple times mm. to different, <laughs> to different, you know, outlets. Um, and that was not God's plan. 
And my dad, you know, several years ago, I was having a really rough time, and I'll just make this brief, but I was telling my dad, you know, I said, I should be better by now. I think I was in year five or year six, and I said, I should be better. I should be better. I should I should be a better griever. Like, I, I know this grief journey road. Why is this year so hard? And um, he told me, he said, you know what, Reese, I want you to imagine that God keeps a journal. And that every day he writes on our pages. And, you know, some days it's loving words of encouragement. Some days it's words from a disappointed father. And it's words of constructive criticism. Some days it's general reminders. And he said, and then some days, like on June 7th, 2008, God marks through the entire date. And he writes, we'll explain at a later date. Yes, I love you, God. And he said, that's what he wrote on your page. He said, but if you walk with your head held up, He said, I promise you, even though there are so many things on this side of life that you're never going to get the answer to, and you're never going to know the why, I promise you serve a faithful God, and he will deliver many later day explanations earthside. He said, but you have to walk with your eyes open in order to see the blessings and all the later day explanations that God will deliver you here. And I never forgot that. I thought, okay, if I'm so succumbed by the grief, I cannot let that be the demise of me. Clint deserves better. I'm his greatest storyteller. This means I have to keep my head up. And, you know, I have watched one later date explanation unfold after another. And the roadblocks were a later date explanation. The no's were a later date explanation. And then the yes was an unbelievable later date explanation, just like the yes was for me when we said yes to Opa. Gosh, that is so profound. I think Who would we tell are Reese all, no? I know. Listening I, to we're this. all speechless. I'm looking. We're all looking at each other. Like who? Who's gonna wrap this interview? Like we are just. I mean, you, Reese. I mean, I am just so proud of you. I mean, having known, you know, you from almost. I mean, my entire career, 14 out of the 15 years at Lopa and, you know, being able to just walk with you through this journey and then seeing this come has been incredible. And um, I can say that we at Lopa are excited. Um, I know that you and I have been talking and meeting about, you know, some partnerships and how we can support um, each other's organizations and families, you know, in our community. And so we are really looking forward to continue um, partnering with you to support our families, um, your families and, you know, growing and, and raising more awareness in our community for both for for both Lopa and Rescue Group, you know, um, we're excited, right. excited for that. And, you know, uh, Reese, and I feel, oh, I feel like Lopa was the greatest teacher to me that you know you were my inspiration behind every move i've made every move well can i jump in here Reese? this because i I, as i listen and listen to you and you just saying that um what do you say to families who have had a loss they don't know what to do next maybe they don't feel support what do you suggest for them because this 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 podcast is heard over different countries, and there's many people sitting there in their loss, not really knowing what to do next. The biggest piece of advice that I could give to another grieving parent or family 
is find your find a place for your love to go. Plant your feet there. Allow their love story to continue. You have to find hope in that their story is not over. That they have a purpose in their in this life. And although it is dark and it is grim and you may not know like what to do next, find a platform of support. Find your tribe of people. Find your tribe of people. And if that's in a support group or, you know, a church or another organization that you can just jump in and and do in memory of your child, do it. If your child was a dancer, get involved with a dance studio. Create a, you know, little event where you can raise money and maybe offer scholarships for different things. But find an outlet to where you have created a spot for your child to continue to live. And that makes all the difference. It's finding a platform. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Reesia Gilmore, one person making a difference. The Rescue Group um, is where you can find more information from Reesia. I'm going to give you that one more time. TheRescueGroup.org, R-E-S-C-Y-O-U. Thanks for sharing, Clint, with us, and thanks for all you do. Keep up the good work, and you're welcome back anytime. Uh, Love y'all. Love you back. We love you, Reesia. Here on the Gifted Life podcast, guys, we're going to take a moment for mental health. So, Nyla, I hear this is a near and dear topic to you. What are we talking about? It is. This is something that's so important to me. The um, four-legged stool is just a way to kind of remember that uh, we're all trying to keep a balance in life. And especially during crisis or a hard time, that's where you need to to kind of start, like find your balance. Um, There are four legs to a stool. And we've all sat in a rocky chair or a rocky table. Uh, So we'll kind of break this down over a few segments. Uh, But the first part of it is just that focusing on the balance. So the National Alliance on Mental Health Illness says that while it may seem overrated or impossible, maintaining balance throughout our lives is a cornerstone overall well-being. Um, Balance prevents stress, and we all know stress causes adverse health effects and leads to 75 to 90 percent of all physician visits. Wow. That's a big number. I believe it. Sometimes I feel like I got all these plates spinning. I'm trying to keep them all going, and one of them's going to crack. Like one of them's going to fall. Where's the balance? And you know, here's the thing we'll never be balanced. I mean, maybe you'll have moments of feeling, okay, I got this. But, you know, more than likely by the end of the day, you're going to be unbalanced again. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think about balance, that can be work, life, social relationships, me time that we all so dearly need. Um, So many different areas. I don't don't have it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You need some balance. (laughs) But so there's, you know, just one, recognizing it. Um, the stool kind of gives us an idea of four legs. It is your, uh, it's your support system, your daily living activities, also your physical, and then joy, creative meaning in life. But just the overall balance, that's what I want to focus on. And here's some different ways to help you try to find balance. Uh, just say no. 
No is a complete Oof, sentence. That's oh. a hard one. I know. I Googled that. It's a complete <laughs> sentence. No. Uh, and then there's stop wasting time. There have been some, I don't know. I don't know if they're like, I didn't really go too deep into this, but there's some studies that say that we probably waste around two hours a day. On social um, media? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but you know, I went to a conference and yeah. they literally said, okay, it's okay, but set a timer so that when that timer goes off, get back to work or something. Like it was part of a presentation because it's that big of a of an issue like you get mm-hmm. lost in it yeah social media watching tv whatever it is um i love to just close my eyes and maybe i waste some time doing that but and then we fall I, asleep because yeah, we're older but there's, <laughs> yeah, but there's a balance in yeah. life um also plan ahead and like you said setting a timer scheduling trying to put things in place you know and then reflecting uh reflecting on maybe where you where you're losing time and the key to finding balance is knowing where you lost it so these are just like some tips. Uh, I think that everybody's life is different and you have to find what works for you. But in crisis, especially so dealing with grief, when we call our families after donation occurs, the one thing we want to kind of check into are the four legs of the stool. We want to know how, how do they have support? Who is that support? We want to know how they're doing. Are they able to get up? Are they taking care of their business? Um, are they? And, and one family said, I haven't had a shower in three days. So, you know what? That tells me they're really having a hard time. Mm-hmm. So, like, where's their support? Who can I connect them with? Is, is it someone outside of the family? And then the third leg being uh, just physical, little things. And we'll talk more about that. But just those little things can add up to be a big thing when you're not taking care of yourself. And then that last one is that joy and meaning. And, again, I hope you all stay tuned, stay in tune What's the word? Okay, so I want y'all to keep listening. <laughs> listening. Keep, keep listening. listening. Because we're just going to keep talking about this for a few more yeah. episodes. So. It's interesting it's that you one. said reflective because I think that when I get feel like I'm not balanced, mm-hmm. I get more reactive. And it's like, I'll so I feel like, you know, maybe doing too much of this and then I'll go to the other one. But then it's still... I'm still wobbly, you know? Right. I'm glad so. to hear that happens to you, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I will say this. I'm trying to teach my family balance. And with that, with everything, I think that's huge. There's a spectrum. And so, okay, let's just say dessert. I mean, you can eat a whole lot of cake and feel very, very sick, or you can just eat a nibble of cake. But there's somewhere in between that you can have the whole, you know, like a piece of cake. But that applies to everything. Working too much. In um, moderation. Sleeping everything. too much. Sleeping too little. You know, kids in college are like not getting enough sleep. Right. So there's just life trying to find that balance. And it's really an individual, I don't know, journey. I like it. All right. We're going to explore more in um, future podcasts. But if you have another topic you'd like us to cover um, in future podcasts, all you have to do is email us. It's simple. Info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment today, is the Louisiana Donor Registry the same organization as Donate Life America? That's a good question. That's brought up in our community presentations when we're out there. So I'm glad that you know both. But let's tell them the difference. We hear this a lot. And here's a little history lesson. Back in the day, (laughs) um, each state had to have their own registry. They did not have a national registry. Uh, laws were not set up where it could be one national registry. It took a very long time uh, to get to a point where we could have a national uh, database. Um, so Louisiana was one of the first, one of the oldest donor registries. It, um, the beginnings of it actually started all the way back in 1997. 
And so we've had a, a donor registry for a very long time. And you do have to be a Louisiana resident to be in the Louisiana donor registry. So um, if you're in the Louisiana registry and something happens to, in another state, they're able to contact us 24-7 and we can share that information and still follow through on your decision to be a donor. Um, fast forward to about six years ago and Donate Life America, which is a na the national group that promotes donation uh, and the donor registries, and they initially were just promoting all the individual state registries, they f did finally find a way to create a national registry. And so if you use your iPhone app, um, you're connecting to the uh, the national registry. You'll hear us talk about registerme.org at mm -hmm, the end of the mm -hmm. podcast. That's the national registry. So uh, we also will check the national registry when um, we are going to be working with a family whose loved one may be a potential donor. However, you don't have to be in, in both. You just have to be in one. So you can either be in your state one or you can be in the national. So uh, they both serve the same purpose to say that, you know, I want to be, if anything happens to me, I want to be a donor. So again, in Louisiana, you can join the Louisiana Donor Registry by going to lopa.org. Or if you'd like to join the National Registry, you can do it either on your iPhone app and the health app or going to registerme.org. I like that question. I like that information. Uh, if you have a question or anything we talk about makes you think about something else um, that you're curious about, please give us a call. We we really appreciate those calls. You can um, reach us by 504-648-3477. Here on The Gifted Life, in every episode, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Kaysen Martinez. Kaysen's family submitted a picture to our website at lopa.org, and I hope you all get a chance to go look at it. He has the most beautiful blue eyes, an inquisitive little smile. And his family added, our sweet boy gave the gift of life to someone else. He is missed so much. We pause and say thank you to Kaysen for the gift of life. And that'll do it for episode 209 of the Gifted Life Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And remember, you can register as an organ, tissue, or eye donor anytime. Registerme.org. What a oh, podcast, huh? Yes. I just want to thank Susanna for being here. And then Reese. I mean, this mother who is a volunteer, who uh, has done so much with Lopa, and we love, you know, being with her. And she's done the video for us, talking about her story. She just helps others. Like, yes. I feel like her whole goal is how can I help? How can I use what I've been through to help others? I am always amazed at the strength of families, um, one, who say yes to donation in their time of grief, and then to, to take something that is stirring in their own loss and grief mm -hmm. and take that passion to help others in our community. So um, leaps and bounds, jumping out there, doing 
doing for others. Like you said, she's she's helping others. And, you know, our our mission is making life happen. And she has taken that one step further into her own community to make life happen and to help others. So, yes, beautiful Beautiful, beautiful, many thanks. And helping us learn today. We love it. The best place to find us, guys, tell your friends, is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. You can listen there or find links to listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others find us. On social media, guys, we're on Facebook. We are called The Gifted Life Podcast. You can also follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Gifted Life pod. We hope that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Until next time. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Nala Schwab. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.